When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inquire all those questions you've always wanted to know. Ask Katie anything. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Ask Katie Anything. I'm your host, licensed marriage and family therapist, Katie Morton. I am so glad you're here. Today's podcast is one of the last that we're going to be doing that is subject-based. And the topic or subject of today's podcast is all about OCD or obsessive compulsive disorder. Without further ado, let's just jump into those questions. Now, this first question says, Katie, can you talk about how OCD may present itself alongside PTSD? For example, most of my obsessions and compulsions are checking and also trauma-related. For example, is the door locked? Did somebody text me? Is my grandmother breathing? Etc. Thank you so much. So this is a great question and something that I don't think I've mentioned before, and I don't even know if I mentioned it in my book, Traumatized, but the correlation between those of us who have a diagnosis of PTSD, about 30% of us will also have a diagnosis of OCD. So it's, the correlation is very high. And the reason being, or what they suspect, right? What uh, you know, experts in the field think is that because they're both anxiety related. Now think of it, post-traumatic stress disorder. It's after a traumatizing event, we have a neurological response to that trauma in wherein we can become super hypervigilant, looking in our environment, we're worrying about you know a threat to our safety. We can be triggered really easily. We're very cued up, like anxiety. And OCD, as you've heard me talk about uh, many times, is under that anxiety disorder umbrella. And OCD manifests itself through what we call obsessions and compulsions. It's hence why it's called obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, obsessions are when we just ruminate and ruminate and ruminate about things in our life that we need, we feel like the need to control or the need to do. Meaning I'm obsessing about like this person's a checking. Now checking is when you're like, did I turn the stove off? Did I turn the stove off? And we have to go check it maybe a certain number of times until we feel, and that that checking, that actual action is the compulsion. So the rumination or the worry, the obsession is about whether something's turned off or I locked the door or whatever, um, or it could be cleanliness based. Although people usually think OCD is only cleanliness based, like washing our hands. It's not, it's not the most common. Checking is actually the most common. So we obsess, obsess, obsess. Then we do the compulsion. We go and check either once or a certain number of times. And when we do that checking or that compulsion, the anxiety about the, did I do this? Is it off? Are we going to be okay? Goes down. So we can see how it's tied to anxiety right? Because our anxiety builds, we do the compulsion, the anxiety goes down short term, then it comes right back, we have to do it again. So there's a reason they're connected because they're both connected to anxiety and they both have a big component of them that is what I would call like worry-based. Is something bad going to happen? Did I do that? Did I turn that thing off? Did I lock that door, right? And so when we compound that OCD and PTSD or we have like essentially what I'm talking about, both diagnoses, 
it's usually a different pattern of symptoms that we see, and they tend to be more severe, meaning that our symptoms that we're going to see when we kind of like the OCD related symptoms, we're going to see when we also have a diagnosis of PTSD and the OCD was triggered by the PTSD. So, you know, which came first, the trauma, then came the OCD. We're going to see more self-mutilation or self-harm type behaviors, uh, more panic disorder, meaning we have panic attacks. We could have agoraphobia, meaning that we're afraid to leave our house because we're afraid to be in a situation where we can't easily get out, get away. Um, we're worried we'll be embarrassed. You know, we could be a hoarder or just have a greater level of anxiety and depression, more so than someone who has OCD and does not have a PTSD diagnosis. Okay. So that's just a little background of it. Now, um, the question is really about like how it presents. And that I feel like that answers the question, but we have some comments on here that I want to dig through. And the first comment says, what are the differences between obsessive thoughts in pure OOCD that appeared after a traumatic situation? Oh, what's the difference between pure OOCD thoughts um, after a traumatic situation and flashbacks? Would the treatment be the same? This is a great question as well. So if you don't know, pure OOCD is when the obsessions and the compulsions are both things that happen inside our brain. Meaning back when... um, Back when I was younger, I think I've shared this before, but I had this obsession with, because, and it was due, this sounds really crazy, you guys, but just hang with me. Due to uh, upcoming spelling bee, when I, I don't know how old I was, I forget, maybe let's say I was eight or 10, we had a spelling bee. And so we were supposed to practice a certain number of words every day. And due to that, I started spelling the things that I was going to say before I said them. And so, or I was afraid I was going to get it wrong and I wasn't going to do well and just anxiety around school. And so essentially it was, I don't know if I would have met the criteria for OCD, probably would have for for this period of time, but I felt the need to spell out all those words. Now, no one knew this was happening, right? It wasn't something that uh, someone would see. My compulsion was internal. I was spelling things out in my head. Now, pure OCD could look like um, me you know, feeling like I need to say something to myself or repeat something in my head a certain number of times, or I have to think a certain thought in a particular way, or, you know, these these kinds of obsessions and compulsions are often the most underdiagnosed because they don't always show themselves so easily. And if the therapist or psychiatrist or psychologist or whoever you're seeing, if they don't ask the right questions, we might not know what's happening. And so that's what pure O is. And that's why they call it pure O is obsessions. It does have compulsions, but they're just internal. Okay. Now, the differences between those obsessive thoughts in pure O and flashbacks So even if the OCD is connected to the PTSD, a flashback happens as a result of a trigger in our environment, or uh, I guess a trigger, something that would like remind us of the trauma or, you know, a sound, a scent, something like that, or it could just be we're stressed out and it kind of flashes back and we can feel like we're reliving it. Okay. Or flipping through a photo book, flashbacks can feel very different. But essentially, it's like we're experiencing the trauma again. Now, on the flip side, pure O, OCD, even when attached or created because of a trauma, may have trauma colors to it, meaning part of it might always be related in some way to our trauma. These obsessions have to be happening 
pretty much not all day, every day. The diagnostic criteria, I believe, if my memory serves me, is it has to impair our ability to function and take up at least one hour of our day each and every day. So flashbacks can come and go. We may not have one for a while. Pure OCD, those obsessive thoughts, even if it's related to the trauma, is different because it's constant. And it's something that we can really struggle to get away from and not engage with every day. Okay, I hope that makes sense. Now, the second part of this comment and the question is, would the treatment be the same? And here's where these things kind of deviate. So when we're treating OCD specifically, right? It's not caused by PTSD. It's its own anxiety disorder. We had that diagnosis. The number one treatment or what has been tried and true, research-backed, evidence-based is what's known as ERP. Now, ERP is what I talk about exposure therapy. It's exposure and response prevention. Now, it's the most effective treatment for OCD. And what it does is it essentially, with with a therapist who knows how to do ERP, we slowly but surely expose ourselves in a very controlled manner to the upsetting stimuli, meaning I'm going to engage with something that causes those obsessions to start start swirling. Maybe I cook something in the kitchen because my obsession is mainly about checking that I turned off the stove. I finish cooking, I turn off the stove, and then I cannot go back and check it for a certain amount of time or whatever. And the goal is to expose us to that triggering thing and not do the compulsion for longer and longer periods of time so that we can prove to our brain that the anxiety will build, that it will go away, nothing bad will happen, okay? That's a very summarized and shortened version of what it is. It's a, if you want to read more about ERP, I encourage you to dive into it because it's, again, the most effective treatment. However, when our OCD is caused or created by our PTSD, we find that ERP isn't always the best because what we're forgetting or missing is that trauma component, right? So we find uh, treatment modalities like trauma-informed CBT or EMDR or CBT itself to be more effective because we're going to have to, instead of just doing those exposures or working in that avenue, we're also going to have to try to in, try to manage those thoughts that we have that are trauma-based or the shame thoughts that we have or that inner child stuff that comes up. And we're going to have to kind of redirect those thoughts into a more balanced place. This would be like using intrusive thoughts as an example. We'd want to have, uh, you know, guide those into maybe by using bridge statements or challenging our facts and things like that. We're going to want to use more CBT techniques to kind of redirect those so that we don't feed into them and therefore give them more power. Does that make sense? I hope so. Now, obviously everyone's going to be different. I don't want to say that ERP isn't going to work or exposure therapy isn't going to work for someone, but we just know that it wouldn't be enough on its own because we also have to treat the trauma. And because the OC- OCD was kind of born because of the trauma, it's almost like we're treating the root. Does that make sense? I hope so. Okay. Now, another comment, I think there you have two more comments on this question. The next comment says, what about relationship OCD? Is it also trauma related? I don't know if it also exists in friendships, but I had a huge breakup with almost all of my friends a few years ago. And I seem to annoy the few friends that I've left because I constantly feel like I have to ask them if our friendship is okay. And then my brain overanalyzes our entire friendship. And I feel like I have to end this friendship. But at the same time, I get so much anxiety because I actually don't want to. This sounds like potentially more of a trauma response rather. I mean, it could be. I wouldn't call. I don't give anything specific names like relationship OCD. 
OCD is in and of itself obsessions with compulsions, right? We can apply it to anything. Cleanliness OCD, checking OCD, you know, relationship OCD. We could give it any name, but it's all still the same. It's the same pattern. And I guess you would have to, you would know the answer to this, essentially. Do you feel that uh, the breakup with your friends that you had was traumatic for you? Was it more than you could cope with at the time? Do you find yourself having flashbacks of it or did you dissociate during it? You'd have to tell me if it's traumatic. I'm not going to know, but this could be a trauma response, what you're experiencing. A lot of us do this. This could um, be something that we do as a result of being cheated on. I've seen this a lot in my patients in the past and many viewers of our community where once that trust is broken, then we keep wanting to check. Or if we get into a whole different relationship, right? We keep checking because we think, oh, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. And that's more about that trauma response, not so much OCD related. But I would encourage the person who asked this question to go back to my initial kind of definition or rundown. I even have a full, I have multiple multiple OCD videos. I have one about pure O and one about OCD itself. But walking yourself through the diagnostic criteria and seeing if that applies to it. Because if you feel that it does, then let your therapist or other mental health professional know. And they may want to, you know, they might want to change the type of therapeutic modality, meaning type of therapy that they're doing with you. Maybe you're doing, you know, I don't know, inner child work. We might want to pivot and add some exposures in or add some, you know, CBT or something like that, EMDR. Um, That might help. But yes, this could be OCD related because of the trauma, right? We're hypervigilant about this. We're looking for reasons it could go wrong. We're like obsessed. And then the compulsion is the checking with them. It could definitely be OCD. Um, But again, I wouldn't give it a specific name that's relationship OCD. I would call it all OCD. There was another comment on this. I've read about false memory OCD and just recently saw a patient who said that he had an obsession of having been sexually assaulted and then compulsions to convince himself it didn't happen. I personally had a very disturbing memory pop up a while ago about being sexually abused as a child. It would lead me into a panic and make me unable to shower due to huge anxiety and those images coming back again. It's gotten a bit better, but now I wonder, was all of that an OCD thing? I'm not diagnosed with OCD, but or is it a repressed memory? Or maybe just nonsensical? I love this question, and I think sometimes when we have stuff like this happen, like I said, 30% of people, I mean, this is a statistic, so how accurate it is, I don't know, but that just means a lot of people who have PTSD also end up developing OCD as a result. So that's a huge number. So could this be OCD as a result of your trauma? Possibly. And this should be something that you should explore with your therapist, kind of teasing out the symptoms and how it applies to you, or maybe how it doesn't. Often when we read about something, we can you know, attach to a few symptoms because it really resonates and then think, well, that must be what I'm going through. But it might not be all of the things. It might just be part of it. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have every right to feel, you know, uh, worried about it, concerned, want to treat it, know that it's distressing. Your experience is still very much validated, but it might not meet that criteria, but that doesn't mean we can't work on it, right? And it can't be part of our treatment plan to like minimize this. Um, However, I think these kind of false memories that people are kind of associated with OCD is more about kind of the obsessive nature because thinking and rethinking something over and over, we can kind of alter some facts little by little. But I don't, I don't believe, I think what you're talking about isn't so much 
and this is just my thoughts when I read this, doesn't like with that that man who had an obsession of being having been sexually assaulted, then compulsions to convince himself it didn't happen. That sounds like PTSD to me. And that compulsion of convincing himself it didn't happen to me doesn't sound like OCD. That doesn't sound, I mean, maybe you could say it's like pure O OCD. I would still attribute that to PTSD and say that it's part of that like shame, blame, guilt that we go through after, you know, experiencing a trauma. We all know we try to like invalidate and minimize what happened. And it part of it's to help us keep going and to live our lives. But part of it's also because we don't know how to make sense of something that is nonsensical. And so we try to, we blame ourselves or we try to make up a story to make it make sense. And all of that, I guess you could call those compulsions, but I would just call that part of the trauma response. And again, it's sometimes it's hard to tease these things out, which is why I want you to talk with your therapist about it, talk it through. Because we do know through research, by and large, we can trust repressed memories. FYI, if you didn't know, we can. Um, they've tested it and tried it. And I think it was like 187 different people they followed for like 10 years. It was really wild. We can trust repressed memories. Um, and I don't believe that this would be nonsensical. I don't, unless you can attach it to something, again, I'd have questions like, when did this start? And when did this come up? And what were we working on in therapy? And, you know, um, are there any triggers for these specific memories? Or, you know, because you're actually having a trauma response, not being able to shower because of the anxiety building. It's impairing you. So let your therapist know this is happening because, you know, I, I, regardless of whether it comes from OCD or trauma, we want to get it under control and feel like we can manage it, Right. So I hope that helps explain it a little bit. With that, let's move on to question number two. And this question says, hey, Katie, I have a tendency to mentally rehearse my day over and over again in my head as if I have a running checklist in my head of everything I need to get done that day until I've accomplished everything. In a way, this calms me as I feel like my days are never ending and they fill me with stress and just overall hard to manage in general. And it allows me to break it up into smaller tasks. But I don't know if this is necessarily healthy because I find myself needing to do it to get through my days now. Would this be stemming more coming from anxiety or possibly pure OCD? What else can I do to help manage my days? Okay, great question. And there were also some comments that I didn't get to add into this list just because for time, but um, a lot of people had questions about like stemming behavior, repetitive behavior to soothe and OCD. And the huge differentiation there, just FYI for people who are curious, when we're doing some stemming behavior, we would, it, it's done to soothe our nervous system. And that can be like rocking back and forth. And I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. In my, from my recollection, it's stemming, S-T-E-M-M. So if it sounds like I'm saying stem, I am, I'm not, E-M. Okay. So, and if I got it incorrect, you guys let me know. But when we do those behaviors, it's something that we just almost do without thinking about it. When it comes to compulsions in OCD, whether they're pure O or otherwise, we have a buildup. We have a thought and we have a worry and it builds and builds and then we have to do the compulsion. And so that's really the differentiation I would make there. And I hope that that clears that up because I know some people had questions about that. And I, even though I wasn't able to add, like add the question and I wanted to at least address that component. Now, this rehearsing and rehearsing and feeling like you have to do it in order to get through your days sounds very much pure O to me. Um, and in all truth, a healthier 
way because rehearsing and spending all the time. Remember again, what I said about OCD is that it happens every day and we take, it takes up at least an hour of our time. I would say this is definitely happening for you. And so I, what I would encourage you to do is to have a, a schedule on your phone like I do. And once you finish one task or when you're about to finish one task, you check to see what your next task is. Or I look the night before to see what my day is going to hold. But this rehearsing and, and constantly, you know, over and over and over and over, I believe is is kind of part of that compulsion or that urge. It's not, again, remember, this is not a judgmental term, but the overreaction, you're overdoing it. There's no need for this, but for some reason, in order for you to feel calm and okay, you have to continue doing this over and over in a almost obsessive like nature, right? And so I would be curious about it. I think maybe the stress of your job is pushing you into, remember OCD is an anxiety disorder. I think it might be pushing you into that realm, but having a calendar you can check every couple of hours as to like what you need to prepare for next, I think is a healthier option, but that's not going to make it better if we haven't worked through whatever's causing this to come up. Does that make sense? It's almost like we still have to treat the root. I can give you some tools and ideas and ways to manage your day better, but I don't really think that's the problem. I think, you know, this is triggered through something else, either feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, work is too stressful, could be, if there is any trauma, I don't know, but it could be attached to something like that. It could be any number of things. Maybe we feel overwhelmed in other parts of our life. So it's finding, we're finding this coming up for us at work. You know, I don't know. You'd have to tell your therapist about it and kind of talk it out so you can figure out where it's coming from. So then we can treat that because that will tell us if we need to do some of the exposure type therapy or CBT. If we know where it's coming from, we can better treat it and manage it so that you don't feel the need to rehearse and re-rehearse over and over and waste all that time essentially ruminating or obsessing about your days. Um, so yeah, take a little time, be a detective. Don't be judgmental about your process and kind of figure out where it's coming from for you. Now, there was a comment on this says, as an add-on is constantly researching OCD because you think you might have it a sign of OCD. No, it is not. I mean, because which healthy person wants to be ill? Nobody wants to be ill. A lot of us research things because we, we attach to it in some way, which means, like I said earlier, we might have some of the symptoms. We might have it. I don't know. We would have to see a professional to tell them what we experience and what we're concerned about and have them help us understand whether or not the criteria fits us and if this is something that's really impairing us. Because general curiosity or wanting to understand a diagnosis does not make us have that diagnosis. It just means that we are interested or we're curious or we attach onto one or two of those symptoms and we think, you know, that's similar to what I'm experiencing. But having it is very different. That means that you would have obsessions and compulsions, not about the the potential diagnosis. But I mean, I guess there may be some ways that that could be OCD. I haven't, I haven't seen that in my practice or heard it from our community. But, you know, again, we want to be assessed by a professional, but that's usually not the way that it presents itself. Okay. Like I would 99.9%, I'm sure that you don't have it. Um, but you might have generalized anxiety disorder, but I would talk to your therapist and just to be sure, right? Let's move on to question number three. This question says, could intrusive harm thoughts be a sign of OCD? They can. Most of my harmful thoughts are about around sharp objects. I experienced these thoughts during a tough time in my life for three months and then they went away. 
They come back or they come back every now and then, but I'm not struggling as of currently. Whenever I experience these thoughts, I try to overcome them by thinking about other things and doing mindless tasks. Thanks for all that you do. Of course, of course. Now, intrusive harm thoughts can be a sign of OCD. We find those to really closely correlate. I'm not saying this is your situation, but we find statistically speaking that these intrusive harm thoughts correlate very closely with a PTSD diagnosis or a trauma in our past. Maybe we haven't been diagnosed because we haven't sought help. But yes, those intrusive harm thoughts can be a component of OCD. And then the compulsion would be to actually do the harmful thing. And the fact that you're like putting it off and distracting yourself with something else is beautiful and very healthy and very good. And I encourage you to keep doing that. And that's probably why it's kind of gone away and stayed away. But stressful events, just like I've talked about this before, when it comes to mental illnesses, we will always have like a weak spot, right? We always, I feel like every person in this world can be like, oh, I have a greater tendency for anxiety-based disorders, or I have a greater tendency for depressive-based disorders, or, you know, my mood is more labile. I feel a little more emotionally reactive. So I have more tendencies towards borderline characteristics. We all have these kind of things that we're more prone to. And when we get super stressed out, that's where we're going to go with it. And that's what's going to crop up. But having our tools and our resources available to know what helped us in the past, we can use those again and help us get through. And that's how we manage, just like we manage our physical health, right? I used to always get strep throat as a kid until I got my tonsils out. But even to this day, when I get kind of a cold, my throat will be sore first. And that's how I know I'm fighting something. And that's how I know to go to bed earlier and drink more water and, you know, do all the things. And so having that awareness, it's the same as our mental health. Okay. Hope that makes sense. Now there was a comment on this as, as an add-on, Katie, how do you know the difference between intrusive thoughts and pure OCD? Now, intrusive thoughts are part of pure O. And so the difference, I guess, would be if the intrusive thoughts come along with a compulsion and we feel our anxiety building until we do the thing. Because intrusive thoughts, as like, this is how they exist. Intrusive thoughts are usually, not always, but usually, meaning over 50% of the time, they are either violent or sexual in nature. I mean, an intrusive thought is something like you're walking along the road and you're like, I could just jump out in front of that car. Or you think I could just have sex with that person, right? Just strange where you're like, what? And then you have that automatic thought after the intrusive thought, usually a shame-based thought that's like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why did I even think that? I don't even, what am I? And we like try to assess our situation versus and trust me, I do it too. But what we all, myself included, need to remember is that thoughts are just thoughts. They don't even mean anything. We give them value. And if we don't give them value, if we're like, well, that's stupid, that was weird, and we just let it go, they're less likely to come around. It's magical. So intrusive thoughts are like that. There's, there's no compulsion tied to it, but they just pop up out of nowhere and we're like, Ugh! and it's like almost like jarring or and it makes us question who we are. Pure O has the thoughts. There's a thought and there can be intrusive thoughts, but that intrusive thought is linked to a compulsion and our anxiety builds until we do that thing. Okay. Now there was another add-on. It says something about this question that stood out for me is that OP's thoughts, maybe an obsessive person's thoughts also began and get worse during difficult times. 
I never see any mention of this being recognized as a feature of OCD, which has led me to doubt my diagnosis, of course, since my OCD really only flares up when I'm having a rough time with stress and my overall mental health. I'm wondering if this is a known but less common way that OCD manifests. Now, I'm not sure what OP's thoughts means, and I'm sorry, but based on what this question is saying, it's very normal for our OCD or any mental illness really to get worse when we're stressed out because it's our resilience is down, right? Our ability to weather life storms is, is, is not like it always is. And so then we're more vulnerable to our mental illness symptoms, uh, our emotional expression, our reaction, right? We just don't have the the wherewithal to weather it. And so we can use tools that aren't necessarily helpful, like, you know, mental illness tools like OCD helps us feel better in the short term, ends up harming us more in the long term. So I would say that that's very common and finding, getting some tools to better help you manage any of the symptoms that come up when you aren't doing well, like putting together a, an OCD plan could be really beneficial so that when and if, because unfortunately life isn't perfect and we're going to have stressful times. So when that happens next, you feel better able to manage it and ride it out. Okay. And part of that might even just be part of that basic self-care, you know, making sure we're eating regularly, getting enough sleep, things like that, taking our medication as prescribed and all that good stuff. Now, there was another add-on and this is the final one on this. It says, as an add-on, is it possible to have compulsions without OCD? Because I talked to my therapist about my compulsions, like having to wash my hands after, um, for example, drinking something sticky like lemonade or having my phone next to me because I constantly have to check to see if all my messages to the right word to the right people and checking 10 times that the stove is off, even if it was off all day and the windows and doors are closed or that I have everything in my bag and I haven't lost something. However, my therapist said that this was normal and I should just stop doing it. Hmm. I, however, don't know anyone healthy who does such things. I don't, I mean, it's not regular behavior. I don't want to say normal, healthy, unhealthy, abnormal. It's definitely mental illness focused. Like this is a, a, a I would think it, to me, so, okay, from the top, when you said you have to wash your hands after drinking something sticky, if my hands are sticky, I have to wash my hands too. So that didn't trigger any OCD-like thoughts for me. I didn't think, oh, that's OCD. I thought that's just basic cleanliness and discomfort management, right? I, nobody wants sticky stuff on their hands. So, but the checking of all of your messages um, were to the right people or 10 times if the stove is off, even if it was off all day, that stuff and that the windows and doors are locked, that sounds very OCD like to me. And I don't know if you think it takes up at least an hour of your time every day. Sometimes I get annoyed with diagnostic criteria. You guys know this. The DSM is not the end all be all, but it's a good place to start. If we think this is impairing our ability to function, then it's a problem and we need to treat it. And I would encourage you to bring this up with your therapist that you think this is taking a lot of time and you would like to do some, you know, exposure therapy or ERP with them if they're able, or could they refer you to someone who understands OCD because it's bothersome. And regardless of whether we meet criteria or not, every therapist should take that seriously. That if something's bothersome, we should help them better manage it, right? That's the goal. That's what a therapist's goal should be is like to help people better manage those uncomfortable things. So I would bring it up again, because I think you're potentially on the right track. It sounds very OCD to me. Moving on to number four, it says, how can I best support someone with OCD? My friend recently told me that she has it and she is not yet 
oh, has not yet felt comfortable enough to tell me what her OCD looks like for her, which I totally understand. But I just wondered how best I can be there for her and support her through everything. She's in therapy also, which I'm super proud of her for. Any advice is muchly appreciated. Um, hope you're well also, Katie. Thank you for being you and for everything you do for us. You're fab. Oh, you're fab too. And of course, happy to do it. Okay. Now, when it comes to supporting someone, all we can really do, and it doesn't, it's not even OCD specific. I know you'd probably want an answer that's more specific, but there really isn't. The best way we can support someone is to just show up and check in on them and be there. And when they feel ready to tell us about it, when and if she decides to share with you how her OCD manifests, I encourage you to not make any assumptions or to consider you know, what your role needs to be in this without asking her first. And a great question to ask when and if she feels comfortable sharing more is, how can I help you with that? Is there anything I could do to make it better? And do that thing if it's okay for you, if you feel able within your own abilities and self-care and, you know, the things you're going to do to make sure that you're okay. We just have to listen. Let them educate us. I think the number one problem we have as people who want to help is that we can want to help so badly that we overdo it and we like push people away or we almost like scare them with our kindness, which I know sounds ridiculous, but sometimes all people want is for us to like ignore their symptoms because they're doing their best to manage it or to just check in on them, maybe put a hand on them so they like get jarred out of their rumination or you know if they say we need to distract come up with something you know they might have something they want you to do and it's but we need to ask them about that we I don't want you to make assumptions or jump in because I find that when we do do that it can be too much for them it can be uh, it can feel kind of invasive or pushy and we can inadvertently hurt someone when we're just trying to help and so that's really my advice is just checking in letting them educate us as they see fit, as they're ready, if they are ready, and then asking how we can help and following through with that if it's something that we can offer. Now, there's another comment that said, yes, my sister was so afraid after not washing a berry before eating that she felt symptoms of an allergy and thought her throat was closing up. I don't really know what to do. She doesn't have an allergy. How do you react in such situations? We stay calm. We ask them how we can help. And honestly, we just don't overreact because the anxiety builds and then it goes away. Now, you said she doesn't have an allergy. So we know that this wasn't actually happening. This was a, a physiological response. So we didn't need to call an ambulance or shoot her with an EpiPen. But we do need to, you know, act calm, tell her to breathe. Everything's going to be okay. Do the best you can. But then after, because in a crisis, we're not going to be able to get anything from them. Our goal is just to ride it out as calmly and just be there for them, help them ride out that wave, okay? And then after the fact, we need to ask them how they would want us to support. What can we do? And if they're not in therapy, you can encourage that. Meaning, you know, maybe seeing someone for this would be really helpful so this doesn't happen because that sounds really uncomfortable, you know? And just encouraging that behavior. Yeah, because it can feel overwhelming, but we don't have to engage in their anxiety-driven, you know, uh, essentially what I would call kind of like an OCD meltdown or an anxiety meltdown, like panic attack type thing. But we need, because sometimes we can make it worse when we are only trying to make it better. And that's again, why we have to have conversations before we're in crisis. Cause that time is just not going to be a good time to try to learn or ask because they're, they're in panic already. And all we can do is just ride it out with them. Okay. 
Let's move on to question number five. And this question says, hello, Katie, how are OCD and perfectionism intertwined? Interesting question. Could the addictive behavior in eating disorders be part of OCD? Is OCD all about controlling? No. And why is it so satisfactory to control? Great question. We have a few comments on this, I think two, two or three. Um, but let's jump right into this. Now, okay, OCD, I want to answer this part first. Is OCD all about controlling? No. It sounds, from the outside, it can sound and look like that's what it's about, but OCD is actually about anxiety management, meaning that we have this obsession, it feels so overwhelming, we're so anxious, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what could happen? I got to do this thing, something bad's going to happen. I do the thing, I feel this brief sense of relief. And then it builds again and we do it again. So OCD isn't so much about controlling as it is about anxiety management. And yes, you could connect it to eating disorders in the way of it's a coping skill that we can utilize when our rest of our life feels out of control. Because what can we control? When our world is out of control, maybe we're younger, we don't have that many resources, we're stuck in a situation where we can't control other people ever, right? So what do we do? We control ourselves. So that could be, I think that's why they're, not necessarily linked, but that's why they correlate. So they can happen at the same time. Now, when it comes to eating disorders, a lot of people will think that, oh, it is OCD. No, you will read in the DSM. I mean, and this again is just diagnostically speaking, they can have a lot of the same symptoms. However, an eating disorder is when we focus so much on our food, food, our body, getting, not getting food, doing compensatory behaviors. It's all about the eating disorder. So I'm sure you're thinking, well, Katie, then, you know, OCD and eating disorders, those sound a lot of like a lot of the symptoms that we talk about sound very similar, right? I'm obsessed about my weight and food. And then I have to do things like overeat, undereat, do compensatory behaviors, and then I feel better. The big distinction that we talk about is the fact that, first of all, eating disorders very specific to food. And those with eating disorders can also have OCD as a diagnosis. But the distinction that's usually made is that OCD, if you did not know, is what we call ego dystonic, meaning I don't like it. It's uncomfortable. I hate doing it. I feel out of control. It's annoying that I have to keep checking. It just feels icky to have to keep doing it, meaning doing the compulsion. And the obsessions make us uncomfortable, right? And our anxiety is building. We don't like it. It feels shitty. Eating disorders, on the other hand, are often, most likely, until we're ready for recovery, egocentonic, meaning it makes us feel better. It's a coping skill, right? Because I said with OCD, almost like with self-injury, we do the compulsion, we feel better momentarily, and it almost immediately starts building again, and we have to do the thing again. Like I said, it's every day, almost all day. And eating disorders are every day, all day. However, we, we like it. The egocentonic means that it feels good for us. We're comfortable with it. And we want to keep doing it, which is the hard part about recovery, right? When we talk about eating disorder treatment, one of the biggest hurdles we have to get over is the fact that most people don't want to get better right up front. Sure, we don't maybe like the way it's affecting us or we're like embarrassed by some of the rituals we have to do, but it helps us feel better. And we, it can, we can think it makes us special in some way, or it's the only thing that I have that I only, I understand, or um, I only feel worthy if I engage in this behavior, right? So 
I know that can be kind of difficult to tease out, but that's a huge distinction. And the reason that um, that they're different, yet a lot of people with eating disorders can also have OCD, but they're going to be a little bit different in the criteria basis, if that makes sense. I hope that that's clear. If you have follow-ups, let me know. Now, there was a comment on this says, yeah, what is the differentiation between OCD and eating disorders? I talked about that. What's the link between eating disorders and OCD? Well, we find that they... They're often comorbid because they're both kind of ways to cope. And that's why eating disorders are also comorbid, meaning occurring at the same time with addiction or self-injury urges. It's essentially other ways for us to manage the, the anxiety, the overwhelm, the trauma responses, the stuff that's coming up for us. We're trying to find ways to manage it. And sometimes an eating disorder alone doesn't feel like enough. And so maybe we also have some OCD-like tendencies, or maybe we meet the criteria for it. I realize I didn't answer fully the OCD and perfectionism intertwined. Perfectionism is driven by anxiety, and that's why. You'll find perfectionism runs through all anxiety disorders. And I believe, and this just hear me out, I believe that this is this occurs, that perfectionism is part of all anxiety disorders because... Anxiety is born out of a difficulty with our own self-worth or struggles with self-confidence. And so we're always questioning and worrying, am I, should I, are they thinking about me? Did they like what I did? And we cycle, cycle, cycle. And if I do things perfectly, then that anxiety will go down, right? So perfectionism and OCD are both kind of ways that we can, as best we can with the tools we have available, if we haven't been in therapy and worked on this, we're going to use those tools to kind of assuage that anxiety and help us feel better. And so that's how they're intertwined. Now, the person, the question says, um, what's the link between eating disorders and OCD? Talked about that. I have purging disorder and sometimes I wonder if it's just OCD. I get the compulsion to throw up and I don't feel better until I do. I've been struggling since January and I've even gone a month or two without doing it, but the urges never go away. I guess the, first of all, talk to your mental health professional about it and get resources and have them assess where they think it's coming from. But if we're able to put it off, does that urge go away? And does it feel good when we do it or do we not like it? Those are kind of the, you know, because with OCD, that anxiety that builds, if we don't do the compulsion, it gets worse, 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 worse. If we can ride it out, it gets better. With eating disorders, we could kind of say that maybe, but it feels really good and we want to do it. We want to engage in that behavior because again, like I said, of all the reasons, you know, that I talked about before, but again, you can see how closely linked they are and why they co-occur all the time. It's because they're both coping skills and, and eating disorders can come be born out of trauma, but they can also be due to anxiety. Again, it's a coping. And so I think when we're trying to reach out in our environment for different ways to cope with what we're experiencing, we might grab, you know, some eating behaviors and also some anxiety-based disorders. So we could have both. Um, but I guess if the compulsion to throw up and you don't feel better until you do, that could be either or. I guess I wonder if you not like doing it because of course no one likes having an eating disorder, but do you feel kind of special or do you think that it makes, it's like the one thing you have that's yours. Do you like having it kind of? Like that's the honest question. Because those of us with OCD do not like it. So that would hope, hopefully that will help you kind of tease that out for you. 
Now, another comment says, following on from this, I have compulsions to do certain things. For example, having to do things in odd numbers, checking door handles, having to check that my straighteners are off and getting someone else to check also, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've got the general worry if a door could be open and someone could come in, but I don't necessarily feel like anything else bad is going to happen if I didn't do it, you know, three, five, seven times, et cetera, if that makes sense. Maybe a better example would be that I have to eat in odd numbers, (laughs) one biscuit or three, et cetera. I don't feel like anything bad will happen if I eat two. I'm just unable to sit with that feeling. So your anxiety builds. So I'll always go for another and I'm not able to break the cycle. This sounds very much OCD-like. I've been doing this for a while now and I can't quite get my head around it. Is it consuming? Oh, it is consuming. But because I don't think I'm doing it out of fear of something happening or to prevent something other than the direct stuff I'm aware of, would you say this is OCD or not? Or what could this be? Sorry, just a bit confused by it all. Thanks for your help, Katie. Have a great day. Usually people with OCD will say, I'm afraid something's bad is going to happen. But the more I read about it, the more I learn that it's not just that, it's the anxiety the biggest component is that building anxiety. Now, usually that anxiety is based around something bad's going to happen. I'm going to burn the house down. A burglar is going to get in. Someone's going to rob me and whatever. Someone's going to hurt me. That can be the worry of something bad. But for a lot of people, it's just that uncomfortable feeling. I don't like to sit with it. I don't like it. Just let me do the thing so then I can feel better. And that sounds like how it's presenting for you. So it still definitely sounds like OCD. And I'm sorry if in the past I said that it's mainly about something bad happening. It still statistically is, but that's not for everybody. Some people, and I think probably more than maybe we realize because we don't, statistics are only so helpful, right? Because not everything's reported. Not all people ask the right questions, right? But I've heard from a lot of you in our community who have OCD who tell me that it's more about just doing the things a certain amount of times or checking a certain amount of times that makes you feel better. You're not really worried necessarily that something's going to happen. You could be. But a lot of people are like, I just don't like that feeling of things being done even number of times. It's uncomfortable. And so that's it. Again, that ego dystonic, right? It feels bad. We don't like this feeling. We don't like what we're doing, but we're doing it anyways. And so that sounds like OCD to me, but considering what I've said and what we've talked about so far today, I would want you to consider it for you and bring that up with your therapist. Let's move on to question number six. And it reads, how can you tell the difference between pure OCD and just anxious thoughts? Now, okay, good question. Pure OCD, we have to remember that it has that mental compulsion component it's a lot of C's. That's why I was like, it's a lot of C's, but it has that part of it. And if we don't remember that, then it just sounds like anxious thoughts. And I'm not saying just to downplay it. Anxious thoughts are incredibly uncomfortable and distressing. But when it comes to OCD, even if it's pure O, don't forget there's still that C. There's still that compulsion, even though the compulsion isn't something that we see outwardly through behaviors. It's something we do internally anxious thoughts are those ruminating thoughts that kind of pick up speed and we almost can't stop them. And, but what if, and what if, and what if, and what if, and it spins us out. Our heart can start to race. Our palms start to get sweaty. Ah, if we don't have a compulsion that we try to do to assuage those thoughts, that's anxiety. That would be generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorder or another one of the anxiety disorders. However, if we have this obsession Oh my God, like I was talking about like having to spell everything out and I can't say it until I spell it and it goes and goes and goes and goes until I do the thing, until I spell it and I can do, go forward. 
So that compulsion is important to remember. Now there's another comment that says, and if it is pure OOCD, where do you draw the line between an obsession and a compulsion? Obsessions are the constant worry or uh, thinking and the ruminating thoughts. The compulsions are the things we have to do, the action that's taken, even if it's in our head, right? The action for me was spelling out all those words before I would say them. That was the compulsion. The compulsion for other people who've written in is like checking things a certain number of times, eating odd numbers of things, right? So we can have certain things, you know, it could be brushing our teeth a certain number of times, one, two, you know, any number of things. But those are the compulsions, actual behaviors, whether they're internal or external. The obsessions are the thoughts about it. Let's move on to question number seven. This question says, hi, Katie, what's up with needing everything to be right? I am in constant search for right answers in everything that I do. If I feel I didn't do something right, then I get really down on myself and become very frustrated. Being in constant search of a right answer to every life situation is tiring, and yet it's extremely overwhelming about to think of not thinking in this way. I feel that this may correlate in, to some kind of OCD, maybe. What is going on? This is kind of that connection, what we talked about with the perfectionism and OCD, that anxiety. Needing everything to be right, I believe, is your obsession. That's what we ruminate on. I need to have the correct answer. I need to do this properly. This has to be done right. I obsess, I obsess, I obsess. The behavior for you is searching for the right answers and probably doing the thing in this quote unquote correct manner. That sounds very OCD like to me. So I would encourage you because it's tiring and you don't like it, right? Ego dystonic. You don't like it. It's taking up a lot of your time. It's exhausting it sounds very closely connected to OCD. I wouldn't be surprised if you wouldn't meet all the criteria for that diagnosis, but I would see a mental health professional, a psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist in your area um, and be properly assessed, okay? And you're not alone. A lot of people, again, it's, it's that correlate is the anxiety component that is huge. It's an anxiety disorder. So that anxiety that's building for you, if you feel like you didn't get the right answer, you're not doing something correctly, that's what makes it OCD, Let's move on to question number eight. This question says, hey, Katie, my OCD is very much linked to health anxiety. Again, anxiety, keyword, right? That I started developing around COVID. My, it's, it's so interesting. Um, we'll talk about COVID a little bit here, but I'll move through it because I think we're all kind of tired of talking about it. But I had a lot of patients. It's kind of an interesting development through this process. So a lot of patients during COVID, my uh, kind of, more germaphobia, anxious patients, maybe OCD, that were like, I've got this, this whole like cleaning shit and stuff. I was born to do that. I can handle this. Even my own husband was like, he's already kind of germaphobia. And he's like, I've been like training for this my entire life. We're good. Then I had my other patients whose anxiety went through the roof, like this person where it's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what if, what if, what if I could get sick? What if I didn't clean this properly? And we could do things over and over and it could exacerbate an already existing anxiety disorder like OCD. And then I had my anxious patients who were like more of the socially anxious. And they're like, I don't even think I have a mental illness anymore. And I was like, no, no, no. Now's the time to work on it because we're not triggered because people aren't around us as much. But anyways, that's all I'm going to say about that. So 
This person's OCD is very much linked to health anxiety. How can we stop our OCD behavior when it's actually something that also helps us feel like we're fighting the risks to catch a disease like hand washing, et cetera? I'm really struggling because some of my behaviors do make sense. I'm also making my boyfriend do those things too, which is making me feel very guilty. Thank you for everything. Okay. There's always room for moderation. And that's the struggle here is I would assume that your OCD is latching onto this health anxiety as its new obsession slash compulsion. And in there somewhere is actual sage health advice or health actions, right? You're doing things that are good and could be helpful. Like we should wash our hands before we eat, but do we need to wash our hands until they're cracking and dried? Do we need to wash them so many, a certain number of times? Do we need to, you know, wash everything in our house and wipe everything down with Clorox wipes? I don't know what all you're doing, but I'm just throwing out ideas that in between washing our hands before we eat and after we use the restroom, let's say, or blow our nose or something, you know, like you probably should wash your hands. After that kind of clean, regular, what I would call health-based factual actions, between that and probably your behavior is this huge gap. And in that gap is where we found it to be unmanageable and to take up a lot of our time. That's where it's not okay. And so what I would encourage you to do is to work with your therapist to, to figure out what the goal is, because the goal for your behaviors might not be like I mean, and even I think with OCD, there's always this component of, well, it's important, right? Like you don't want to leave the stove on. I should check it. Well, yeah, but you shouldn't feel the urge to check it, you know, 14 times, right? And, or lock the door, you know, I have to count. I have to check it 11 times or whatever. I'm just making up these random numbers. And so for you, washing hands makes sense too, but we shouldn't have to do it as often as we're doing it. And so there's still going to be some putting it off and not doing it type of exercises that you're going to have to do with your therapist. I think exposure ERP would be the best move for you because yes, there are reasons that we should wash our hands. Like I said, before we eat, after we use the restroom, blow our nose, but there's a lot of times I assume you are washing your hands or, you know, wish you could wash your hands and stressing about it or making your boyfriend wash his hands when it's really not necessary. And so those are going to be the things you're going to tease out with your therapist and be honest with yourself about it so that it doesn't continue to grow. Because essentially the more energy or effort we put behind it, the stronger the urges are going to get. And so I know it's uncomfortable, again, ego dystonic in general, but it's really important that we pull back and that we don't engage when we don't need to. And teasing out what that's going to look like is part of the work. And I think that goes for most of my patients with OCD, because like I said, almost all of our compulsions do have some necessary component, but they're done to the extreme. And it's gotten to the point where it's getting in the way of our ability to function in our life. We're spending way too much time doing it and it can feel, you know, out of control. Okay, now there was a comment on this says, I also have health anxiety since last year. And it makes me fixate on all of my symptoms. I Google everything and I can't even do anything that requires energy because I'm scared I'm going to faint because I feel the symptoms. I'm not diagnosed with anything though. Now, this in particular, I feel like could it could be OCD, but it does not sound like it to me. When you feel like you're feeling those symptoms, 
and it's all health-based. It could be something like factitious disorder, which is um, a mental disorder where we, you know, I mean, I don't think this is what you're doing, but I just want to throw out all of the options. So factitious disorder is when we want to deceive others by appearing sick or, you know, even doing things to make ourselves actually look sick or be injured. We can even self-injure. There's Munchausen syndrome, and that's kind of where this, I think, lands, where we feel like we're sick all the time. It's kind of, uh, people would say, you know, um, you know, like you're always in the doctors. They know you by by your first and last name. They, they're like, oh, you're here again, right? Because you're constantly concerned about the fact that you could be ill. If you don't remember, there was a, a documentary a while back. I forget what it was called, but it was like Munchausen by proxy, where the mother made the child think that they were sick to kind of get attention or uh, I think it's mainly attention-based, but it's kind of like narcissistic. It's closely related to narcissism. But anyways, that so- it sounds more like Munchausen here where, where we've, we have such health anxiety that we've re- read about these things and now we feel that we are actually experiencing them even though we don't have them. Now, obviously, if we have any symptoms, we should go to the doctor and make sure that we're ruling out all of these things, right? It's okay to be... Uh, you know, careful about our health and to get a yearly physical and get things checked out, get to go to the dermatologist. Is this mole cancer? You know, we should do all of that preventative health care. So doing that is great. But if we find ourselves just constantly thinking that we're sick and we don't know if we are, let someone know. And let's, it's, it's again, it's an anxiety driven disorder. It's a way for us to try to manage something or to make sense of some symptoms. And if you work with a therapist, it can and will get better. So speak up and reach out. But first of all, obviously, go get a full physical, full blood work just to make sure that nothing's going on. Because I don't want to negate how you're feeling. I want you to know that if you are experiencing some symptoms, let's make sure they're not life-threatening or they're not real. And then we can help manage this urge to Google and to get ourselves ramped up so much so that we experience that. So it doesn't really sound so much like OCD to me as it does more like Munchausen syndrome, okay? Now, our final question, question number nine says, hi, Katie, how do you know when it's time to stop ERP? Remember, ERP is exposure and response prevention therapy. When is it time to see if you can just focus on other things for a while? Isn't the ultimate goal of treatment to get to a place where you don't think about the OCD anxieties at all? How can that happen if you're still doing exposures? Okay, so I am not a specialist in ERP. I just want to throw that out here. But what? But I do know therapy. And we should stop ERP when we don't really have any more exposures to do, or we aren't, a better answer is actually that we're not affected by it, meaning it's not impairing our ability to function anymore. I think it's okay to take a break or to potentially stop. Now, if we're still doing the exposures and they're still causing us distress, then there's technically still work to be done. But you are correct that the goal of treatment is to get you to a place where you're not, it's not that you don't think about the OCD anxieties. It's that you're not affected by it anymore. Meaning it doesn't impair your ability to do what you need to do every day. You don't consider it, you know, like it's not taking that hour every day. I'm not obsessing. I'm not doing compulsions, right? I'm out of that pattern of behavior. And that can take a lot of work and it can take a lot of time. And I know it's exhausting, but it does get better and it can go away. And it might be, I don't know how long this person's been working at it, but it might be worth, you know, letting your therapist know you're feeling exhausted by it and you might want to take a break for a bit. It's okay to take a break from certain parts of therapy. I've had patients for years that are like, 
I need to take a month off from trauma talk. I have a family vacation I need to figure out. You know, we have other life stressors. We can't always get in the deep with it. Sometimes we just need like life management for the now. And so that might be where you're at, where you're like, you know what? This ERP is exhausting. I'm feeling enough better that I want to focus on something else for a while, or I want to take a break for a month, and then I want to come back to it. But again, just consider whether or not it's still affecting you. Because if your OCD symptoms are still present in your life and you're still having those obsessions and those compulsions and it's still distressing and it's taking a lot of your time, then the ERP is going to have to continue. Because again, the goal of therapy isn't to not think about the OCD anxieties. The goal is to not really have them anymore or have them affect us anymore. Because like we all know, things get stressful and we can go back to it. We can have those thoughts, but that doesn't mean that we're going to give those thoughts any power or weight or act on them in any way. And that's where we've changed, right? We have a thought. It doesn't become an obsession. We don't even think about a compulsion. We just move right on through it. And that's the goal. And I hope that helps. And I know it's hard work, but stick with it because it does get better. Thank you all so much for sending in your questions. I hope this was helpful. It was helpful for me to like revisit OCD content because I haven't talked about it that much. And if you, you know, if you guys want me to talk about it more, I'm happy to, but that's why um, I know we had a request from a member of our community for this specific topic. So I hope they got their questions answered. Please share this podcast. Please tell a friend about it. That really, really helps. I love you all. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Bye.